We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Daymore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming at you Tuesday night after the Wolves lost to the Washington Wizards by 18. It was an 18 point home loss. Final score Wolves 114, Wizards 132. I could start this with going on some rant about the lack of effort the Wolves put forth tonight and talk about how that is unacceptable. But honestly, the, the standings karma tonight sort of speaks for itself. Uh, this loss at home against the Wizards, a Wizards team that wasn't really playing for anything, is is costly because the Wolves missed an opportunity. It was a missed opportunity because the Nuggets lost tonight. You know, had the Wolves won, they would have been one game behind Denver for the sixth seed, and the Nuggets' next two games are against the Grizzlies and the Lakers. Had the Wolves won tonight, they would have gotten the sixth seed if Denver were to lose one of those two games and the Wolves were to beat the Spurs and Bulls in their final two games. I mean, I know we've done the whole, like, why the six seed is important rabbit hole thing a few times, but really it is huge. I mean, being the seventh seed instead, uh, that that carries a lot of baggage compared to the six. I mean, if you think about it, now all but locked into the seven, that means they have to play the Clippers in that seven, eight play-in game. And that baggage isn't just about playing the Clippers, which will, be a somewhat difficult matchup it's it's also about if they lose to the Clippers like sure you can make the playoffs still by beating the Pelicans or Spurs in that second playing game but the reward for beating the Pelicans or Spurs in that second playing game is the eighth seed which means your real reward is playing the best team in basketball right now in the first round which the which is the Phoenix Suns and that's a lot of baggage of of not getting the sixth seed. But we've been through that part of it. The other part that is immense here is losing out on all the rest that comes with being the sixth seed versus the seven or eighth seed. If the Wolves would have gotten the sixth seed, they would have had seven days off between their final game of the regular season on Sunday and game one of the first round next Sunday. I mean, this team really could use that. They are banged up. I mean, every player on the bench, it's, it's crazy when they check out of the game they immediately come to the trainer and get like full body wrapped up. We've seen all those massive knee wraps Anth is wearing on the bench every game, but everyone's got them like Prince and Cat and Vanderbilt. Like they check out immediately and get 
like mummified. Even even Jalen Noel was wearing like a double hip wrap thing on the bench tonight that was so massive it looked like a big diaper made of athletic wrapping. Like, I mean, they're banged up. So now, instead, if they do wind up in that seven seed, rather than you know getting a week off following Sunday's finale, they will need to play the first playing game on one or two days rest. And if they lose that first one, it will be a second game on Thursday or Friday prior to traveling to Memphis or Phoenix for game one. I mean, that's a lot more wear and tear. And that's a lot less time in addition to the wear and tear to just prepare for Phoenix or for Memphis. And that's the baggage. That's the opportunity cost of losing this game tonight. It's why this felt like one of the toughest losses of the season. That's how Carl Anthony Towns put it after tonight's game. Here's Kat. You felt like defensively, has there been kind of this going for the last couple of weeks here? I mean, do you have concerns about just collectively and not just one game here in terms of what you guys are doing on that side of the floor? Um, just got to do a better job ourselves, you know. Um, we've been fortunate to score 130 a lot of games and uh, – you know, it's covered up our defensive lapses because of our scoring was so high. Um, we just got to get back to that. That Timberwolves basketball I talk about. We uh, we didn't do it tonight. <clears throat> didn't play. You know, we didn't look like a team that was trying to make play of a playoffs. We looked a little lethargic. We can't afford that on games like this. Um, against a team like this, you know, uh, it's like a trap game. You know, I, I've, I've been there when you're out to playoffs, you just want to spoil everyone's fun. So um, we knew what they were going to come with. They're going to play their best game. And we had to come and match that energy and that physicality. And we just did it. Did you get the feeling that some, some guys kind of expected Washington to sort of give in as the game went on um, in terms of the lack of intensity out there? Um. I hope not, you know, but uh, can't take anyone light in this league. Um, it's just, uh, it's been hurts. It hurts. It hurts a lot. It's one of the toughest losses of the year. It's kind of a morbid activity, but I went through some of their toughest losses of the season here, just kind of made a list of them. And I do definitely think this one is up there. We're just kind of going through the schedule stem to stern, like, the losses that stick out as particularly tough starts with the loss at home to Orlando in the sixth game of the season. They lost that one at home to Orlando by 18 points. That was the second game in that early six-game losing streak that they had. There was also the loss the day after Thanksgiving against the Hornets, the Hornets which was also an 18-point loss. I think that one stung because the Wolves were they're pretty confident coming off of uh, – that big home win against Jimmy and the Heat the day before Thanksgiving. And then honestly, both of these losses to the Wizards were tough. They also lost them on December 1st in a similar fashion. And that loss started that five-game losing streak they had to start the month of December that was sort of capped out with three straight demoralizing losses. That, that Hawks, Jazz, and Clippers or not Clippers, Cavs, that three in a row they had right there. The Wizards, the first Wizards loss started that. After that, though, if you go through the schedule, it was a while until they took 
another tough tough loss because it was the it was the COVID stretch at the end of December. And while they lost some games over that run, I don't think you could say any of those were too demoralizing, just given the players that were available for the Wolves. And then really, once they once they got their guys back from COVID, they didn't really lose much at all. If they were losing, it was against you know largely good teams around the road. They went eight and three immediately following the return of their players from COVID. And the only really tough loss in that stretch was that one wild game in Atlanta where the refs sort of lost control of the game and they gave Cat that tech and flagrant foul for kicking his leg out at Onyeka Kangwu. I mean, that's really their only you know, tough loss in January. And after January, all their tough losses were not even tough losses. All their losses were against good teams like Philadelphia and Toronto, or they were road losses, which you really can't get that cut up on. You know, since the guys came back from COVID, it's pretty much that weird Atlanta game and then nothing until they lost that game a few weeks ago uh, in Orlando when they were on that six-game winning streak. That game was pretty demoralizing too. And then other than that, there was tonight, another loss to the Wizards. So really, the majority of the tough losses this season came against the Wizards and the Magic, just teams they underestimated going into those games. That's what leads to tough losses for this Wolves team, taking bad teams lightly, you know, thinking they can kind of coast against these bad teams and come out with a win. And they can't do that. Like Their margin for error is thin. You know, Maybe that margin of error is, well, not maybe, that margin of error is thick enough to beat the Blazers and the Thunder, the tanking teams, but the non-tanking bad teams, I mean, we're learning that still requires the Wolves to take them seriously to beat. That's how D'Angelo Russell framed it after tonight's loss. I was just saying one of the young young team mistakes that, that happened tonight was that the team kind of came out flat. Uh, overall, how, how do you think this team has done kind of stamping out some of these young team mistakes? And can you learn anything from a night like tonight as you go into next week? Uh, I think every I think our group, everybody has to be um, locked in. Can't be um, one knife. Five guys are locked in and the the second unit isn't the next night. The second unit is locked in and three of the starters aren't like that. That's what's um killing us, I would say. So it goes back to the approach, you know, the mentality and just being the best you. I can't do it for you. You know what I mean? You can't do it for me. So if I come to the game and practice with that approach of um, I'm ready, I think it'll it'll trickle down versus having to you may pick another guy up, you know, then you're shorthanding yourself. When when a game starts off weak on the defensive end, when they shoot like sixty percent in the first quarter, how hard is it to turn on the defense mid game when, when a game doesn't start with the kind of effort you're? Yeah, playing? it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. Um, you expect the team to lose or give you the game, you know. And teams are coming out, you know. Some teams are competing, and some teams aren't tanking. So that balance of having that approach and respecting those teams. Is where we we lack. I guess the good news along those lines is this will be the last game of the season where they play a team they can underestimate. I mean, San Antonio on Thursday has something to play for, fighting for that playing spot. And they've got Chicago on Sunday, who it is looking like will have some seeding impact riding on that game. So you'll get decent teams putting forth effort in the final two games. And you'll, of course, see more of that in the play-in. And then obviously... You'll only see good teams in the playoffs. But 
still like this will go down as a dark mark on a good wolf season, a wolf season that is um, exceeded expectations. The, the dark mark of you know taking bad teams too lightly. You, I mean, winning either of those Orlando matchups would have mattered in the standings. Winning either of the matchups against Washington would have mattered, and they also lost to the Pelicans twice. And winning, winning even one of those six games in hindsight might be the difference in being the sixth seed this year. They're going to have to deal with that and learn from it for next year. But the result now from not taking care of business in those games is you're probably going to be the seventh seed or the, the seventh seed going into the play-in. And with that comes no rest before round one and the requirement of beating the Clippers in the play-in if they're going to dodge Phoenix in that first round series. All right, let's mix in a quick break here, and then we will get to some specifics from tonight's loss. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are back discussing the Wolves' 18-point loss on Tuesday night to the Wizards, and we're talking specifics for why the Wolves lost this one, and that's pretty easy to diagnose after looking at the box score. They just clearly got destroyed by Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Daniel Gafford. Uh, Porzingis had 25 tonight, only missed six of the 17 shots he took, and then Gafford, who both backed up Porzingis and played alongside him at times, Gafford also had 14 points, making 10 of the 11 shots he took. So together, Porzingis and Gafford, those two made 21 of the 28 shots they took tonight, three of five from deep and 18 of 23 from two-point range. 
it was just a it was a dunk fest with those two, which is actually, if you remember that first Wizards loss, that's exactly what happened in that game. I mean, Porzingis and Gafford combined to shoot 18 of 23 from two-point range in tonight's game, but in the first matchup against the Wizards on December 1st, Montrez Harrell and Gafford combined to shoot 18 of 22 from two-point range in that game, too. I mean, it's just that that type of size is very clearly the Wolves' kryptonite this year. Just gigantic front courts kill them. Same thing happened in the loss to Cleveland when all three of Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and Lauren Markkinen played. Allen, Mobley, and Markkinen combined to make 20 of the 25 shots they took in that game. I mean, size, size kills the Wolves. And part of that is, yes, rebounding, but... As Finch described after the game, it's it's their lack of ability to contain the ball handler. That is what allows the bigs to go off against them. And that definitely happened tonight. They were not into the ball at all. And by laying out the red carpet for Ish Smith and the Wizards guards to just kind of penetrate down the lane, that is what allowed Porzingis and Gafford to be free on the baseline for lob dunk after lob dunk. The Wolves aren't into the ball like Cat is the last line of defense left choosing between contesting the floater from the guard or trying to take away the lob. And while Cat has improved in a lot of ways as a defender this season, that middle ground he finds himself in between guarding the penetrator and defending the rim, he's that's still something he's not good at. When you put Cat in that situation, that's when they don't have the physicality to match up with bigger teams. According to Finch, it was that lack of physicality that did the Wolves in tonight. Anything that, that you learned from tonight and, and the compete level and what it's going to take going forward here? Uh, you know, we obviously uh, the games that we have coming up um, next week, you know, obviously between now and next week, even uh, we just got to play way better. You know, we are not ready to compete um, at that level. We're not going to get a lot done. So. Chris, did, did, do you think that there that there are trends that have gone on defensively? Uh, you know, you said about guarding the ball, but just in terms of the the shape that this defense is in going into yeah. really important games. Yeah, I don't think – I mean, we're just not physical enough, John. We're not putting our body on anybody. We're not making it hard for the ball handler. We're not making it hard for, um, you know, people coming off actions right now. We're too loose. We're too soft there. Uh, and, you know, um, we just, as a result, seem a bit uh, like a, a step late to the play. You defend in the playoffs if not all five guys are committed on that end? Probably not. That is the concern with this team entering the playoffs. If their whole roster isn't locked in on the defensive end, they've got no shot. And and I do expect them to be more locked in across the board on that end come the play-in or the first playoff series. But you've also got to factor in a higher level of competition that they'll be facing. It's not just about getting up to an acceptable level of physicality by their standards against better teams in the playoffs defensively, they'll need to exceed those standards to win. And we don't talk about this a lot because, you know, the Wolves forcing turnovers is one of the things they're best at defensively, probably the thing they're best at defensively. But we, we do need to acknowledge that oftentimes the playoffs are a different animal. The game slows down a lot, and that will lead to games that will be more meticulous. There will be fewer turnovers generated both ways. So for the Wolves, defensive competence in the playoffs will be about how they can just effectively defend in the half court. It won't be as much about generating turnovers as it will be about limiting the quality of the looks that the opponent gets. And that's going to require reaching another level. 
mean, right now, the Wolves have the number 13 defense in the league, which is good, but it's in large part due to the fact that they force more turnovers than every team in the league outside of Toronto. But in terms of the shots that they actually get taken against them, the Wolves rank 18th in effective field goal percentage against them, which means they're really a below average defensive team when it comes to forcing missed shots. That gap between 13 and 18 is made up for by generating turnovers. And to boot, those turnovers the Wolves have generated in the regular season are a big part of why their offense has been great this year, right? Those turnovers often lead to transition opportunities, which is almost always profitable offense. They're not going to get that same boost in the playoffs. What I will note here is that Memphis has the same issue. They're right behind the Wolves in turnovers generated this year, and that is what is both driving their defense this season and it's driving their offense. The Grizzlies have the fourth best offense in the NBA this season. But a ton of that is created by the Grizzlies generating turnovers that become transition opportunities. It's actually even a bigger gap because the Wolves aren't actually very good at converting transition opportunities. Memphis is elite at it. Memphis has the number one transition offense in the NBA. But if you get them in the half court offensively without transition, they rank 22nd in the league in half court offense this season. I mean, they have the same theoretical problem as the Wolves as it pertains to how the game might shift in the playoffs. And I think that's important to note, as I think that's pretty relevant with Memphis seeming to be the most likely round one opponent for the Wolves. I think that's a perk of that matchup compared to, say, Phoenix or Golden State. Those teams are more built to play a style of game that is more built for the playoffs, right? Like neither the Wolves or the Grizzlies play that style. They play a style of basketball that more traditionally works in the regular season than not as much in the playoffs. And that's why I continue to believe Memphis is the best round one opponent for the Wolves because, again, in theory, whatever the Wolves are going to lose in terms of how the game shifts in playoff style, I think Memphis follows that same theory. All right, let's pick a forgotten star of the game from this one, which was easier said than done in a game that uh, went all sorts of wrong. I I really don't think any one player had a particularly great game, so I'm going to go with Jaden McDaniels as tonight's forgotten star of the game, presented by Forgotten Star Brewery, simply because he played. He's back. It was not an impactful game for McDaniels. He only played 15 minutes on a minutes restriction, and in that time he had only two boards, one assist, and didn't score. But... I think he's the forgotten star of the game because his return at least hints at the possibility that some of these defensive warts we've been talking about with this team over the past few weeks can be removed. You know, I think it's fair to assume that it's going to take at least a few games for McDaniels to get back to where he was. But fortunately, he was able to come back. Now he gets this game to set his feet and then two more before things get, you know, really interesting. Obviously, for this team to make any noise in the playoffs, they're going to need everything. They're going to need Cat, Ant, and D'Lo to do their thing at a high level. They're going to need Pat Bev and Vando to breathe life into the defense. And they're going to need McDaniels to be the player he was impacting both sides of the ball before he got injured. You know, Now, that's a lot of ifs, but at least all of those if players are healthy, they're going to have all their guys. I mean, they're going to have all their guys for the playoffs. This This team might be banged up, but they are 
quote unquote healthy, I'm barring any setbacks in these final two games, Finch should have his full complement of players for the play in and the playoffs. McDaniels making his return tonight makes that true. So while this game was a stinker, there is that silver lining. Everyone is good to go. Jaden McDaniels is back, and that's why he's the he is tonight's forgotten star of the game. Hopefully me spamming you with these uh, Forgotten Star segments every night. We'll get you to check out Forgotten Star Brewery in uh, in Fridley this spring or summer. Honestly, like I've been saying, it's a really cool brewery. It's huge. Um, Fridley sounds far away, but it's only like 10, 15 minutes away from downtown Minneapolis. So check it out. Forgotten Star is open seven days a week at noon. All right, final segment here. Let's hit on some prize picks. I made five picks tonight and got three of the five correct. A couple were right on the line. I took the under on 26 and a half points for Carl Anthony Towns in this one, and he did go under finishing with just 26 points. Cat again had another massive first quarter scoring 15, but he he crashed to the ground pretty hard at the end of the first, and he said after the game that that crash uh, kind of impacted his shot the rest of the night, said he wasn't really feeling his touch from there on, and that that shows up in the box score at least. He had 15 first quarter points on five of nine shooting that quarter. And then in the next three quarters combined, Cat had just 50, or just had 11 points on five of 15 shooting. The other close one I had was taking the over on 28 and a half points plus rebounds plus assists for Anthony Edwards. Ant finished with 18 points, six rebounds and four assists. So we missed that one by half a point. I also took the under on 15 and a half points plus rebounds plus assists. Heard you heard Vanderbilt. I was thinking the uh, return of McDaniels would lead to a decrease in minutes for Vanderbilt, and it did. Vando played just 20 minutes in this one, had just eight points and six rebounds and zero assists. So we did get that one correct. Other than that, I missed my pick on Contavious Caldwell Pope, having over 22 and a half points plus rebounds plus assists. But I did hit the under correctly on six made free throws for Chris Stapps Porzingis. I have no idea why it was that high. Uh, Porzingis didn't even take a free throw all night. So overall, that's three and two on the night, which brings me to 163, 152, and 10 on the season on these picks. Again, with prize picks, they will have props up this week on the Masters, if that's your cup of tea. Of course, that's in addition to all the NBA stuff they have up every night for Daily Fantasy. So if you haven't created an account yet, try it out. Prize picks will throw you a $100 sign-up bonus if you sign up using the promo code DANE. All right, well, I already kind of wrapped up the the latest in the standings around the Wolves at the beginning of the episode, but to sort of put a pin in it, uh, the Wolves officially can no longer pass up the Utah Jazz in the standings. Utah won in overtime tonight against Memphis, so they are now three ahead of the Wolves in the loss column, which the Wolves can't overtake because... They could still finish with the same record as them technically, but Utah has the tiebreaker against them. So really, all that's left now is a Hail Mary. Uh, The Wolves' only route to the sixth seed is by winning both of their final two games against San Antonio and Chicago, and to have Denver simultaneously lose their final two games of the season against the Grizzlies and Lakers. And uh, that's going to be tough uh, because Memphis is locked into the two seed no matter what happens. And with the Lakers lost tonight to Phoenix, uh, they have officially been eliminated from even qualifying for the play-in. So for the Wolves to get the sixth seed, Denver, who has everything to play for, will need to lose two games in a row against teams that have nothing to play for. 
And then the Wolves will have to beat San Antonio and Chicago, both of whom currently at least have something to play for. So I guess we'll hold on to that. Um, and, you know, with that, as long as there's some chance of them getting the sixth, uh, I, I think we'll we'll still see the Wolves putting their best foot forward. I, I highly doubt we'll see Finch uh, shut guys down for rest in advance of those games. I think, I mean, particularly given how poor this game was for them as a team, but also individually, I think it's important in Finch's mind for each of his players to be coming off of a, a strong performance before the playoffs. And, you know, no one had a strong performance tonight. So they'll, they'll roll that back out on Thursday and Sunday. I I, I don't, I guess I'm not sure, but I, I don't think we'll see many guys be shut down for the rest in advance of that. But we'll see on Thursday. Uh, that one will be against the Spurs, and we'll go from there. We keep going. Uh, I will talk to you after that one against the Spurs on Thursday. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.